Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, the Crypto Hipster, Jamil Hassan, where I bring you founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, artists, musicians, you name it, all over the world in crypto and blockchain. And today, actually today and the summer season, I am bringing to you a new compilation episode. Last year, from seasons one, two, and three, I brought you the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. And now, from season four and five, without further ado, I bring you the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. And what that is, and what it was last year, and what it is this year, it's a compilation. It's a compilation of three or four podcasts together as like a montage. And on a certain topic or area of interest in crypto and blockchain, pulling from my podcasts. And now, as we're heading to the summer of 2023, I bring to you the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. And there's going to be 22 or 23 or 24 around their episodes. And I look forward to you looking forward to it. So thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for, for enjoying my podcasts. And this is going to be a summer treat for everybody. So please sit back, enjoy, and uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts. This is Crypto Hipsters Mysticals, episode 13, Overcoming Web 2 Catastrophes to Help the World Embrace Web 3. This podcast is a compilation from four clips from four Crypto Hipsters podcasts during seasons four and five. First is Sean Cheng, who is the partner, a partner at Consensus Mesh. Second, Eric McHugh, who is the chief growth officer at ShopX. Third, Benjamin Gabay, who is the chief marketing officer and co-founder at Crunch Down. And fourth, Elena Natalinsky, who is the chief executive officer at the Iron Fish Foundation. Enjoy. I don't want to shift gears to talk about a bad guy, but some bad things happened last week in crypto around yeah. oh yeah. Around oh yeah, around FTX. And you mentioned, you know. People say we're heading into a crypto winter, or when we head into a recession. What do you think is the you know FTX the fallout of FTX? I'm not to get into detail what they did, right? But what do you think the fallout's going to be, and what do you think the media impacts are going to be, and how this industry is affected, and how do we move forward positively? Yeah, um, that is something that's unfolding in real time as we speak. Um, I don't think we've fully seen everything shake out. I believe that the second order, second and third order effects of FTX and even in the most recent $400 million backdoor drain still being um, researched and kind of worked through right now. And so once criminal charges are placed against um, the team and the company, which I'm, I'm 
pretty certain that that might happen. Um, we're going to see that probably used by uh, many people in, in the political realm to probably justify uh, a little bit of overreach. Uh, when much of our industry has um, self-regulated or wanted to ask for um, frameworks um, in order to really comply, but then also ensure that people are safe and that they aren't losing their shirts. And so uh, I think at, as we see FTX kind of the culmination of this um, series of really, really um, awful events between Terra Luna and Celsius um, and Voyager and um, some of the other other parties out there, uh, I really do think that we're going to see um, those types of approaches uh, become um, places where people are much uh, less willing to try as their first touch point in crypto, which we had always hoped that CDFI or CFI was going to be this um, mass adoption on on ramp, and that those folks uh, would really help expand those users into web3 native ways but now our industry is focused on um, compliance um, regulation um, and also focused a lot on web3 native things that people just didn't seem to care about before like self-custody is all of a sudden a and decentralization as key features uh, year after year after working in the space for over five you know five years or so uh, people have wanted to say that those things are just too esoteric and those things are just too far uh, from being valuable or immediately applicable to an end user. But maybe in facing this pain um, and seeing many people get taken advantage of or now have all their funds in some sort of arbitration process for the next five or eight years with FTX, um, now we might see self-custody and using things like a hot wallet in MetaMask or a ledger uh, or a Trezor and, and putting stuff into a cold wallet as something that um, should be more and more commonplace. And so 150 bucks for a cold storage wallet is a pretty cheap pace, price to pay for peace of mind. And I think um, the industry is going to bounce back eventually, but we're going to go through, I think, a substantial uh, amount of pain um, over the next couple quarters and then uh, see these events being used as the primary justification for things that um, may not necessarily make sense for what this technology ultimately means um, for society, which is greater degrees of power and freedom and autonomy from centralized authorities that aren't fully transparent. So uh, maybe we start to move towards systems that are much more um, progressive and uh, proactive about sharing about what assets uh, are in their treasuries. So some sort of dynamic uh, verification of assets actually being available. But I also think we're gonna need a, uh, a possibly a protocol or a system that allows for us to automatically verify the total amount of liabilities that a company or a system has within it and so um, the age the ad age of uh, moving from uh, further away from just trusting for the sake of trusting because of uh, fancy credentials or uh, he said she said or um, a system that um, really caters to 
people that already have uh, have power uh, may move further and further towards uh, verification. And so is this the uh, second version of uh, what Bernie Madoff had built and um, the, 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 the cartel or cabal of people in his family and in his inner circle at all these other regulatory bodies is um, it, it, is this what is happening um, with FTX and um, SPF um, potentially? But uh, we're we're only three days in, four 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 days into uh, even the discovery of these things, and so uh, I'm hesitant to say what what the ultimate impact is. But I definitely don't think this is the end of it, or we're anywhere close to the to the bottom uh, of what this means for our industry as a whole yet. Talking about the bad news, right? Um, I had to go back 100 years, more than 100, 120 years. And and uh, Teddy Roosevelt says, it's not the critic who counts. It's basically the people who are in the game building. Um, you know, So why do the critics not matter? Why do the people in the game matter more? And what words do wisdom do you have for people who might accidentally, you know, take uh, take critics' words for it instead of being participating um, as a as a founder, as a you know, as somebody new in this. Not new, you're 29, but oh, you're younger than me. What are your thoughts on on how people can can navigate that? I mean, it's pretty easy to critique, and right now we're building the infrastructure for when new people come in, they have a real use case or something interesting. I mean, advice to someone new in the space it would just be to obviously do your own research, start small, zero to one, get, get a little bit. That'll incentivize you to research. Once you have skin in the game, you're generally good to go. Um, and how have you how have you done it? What was your what was your story staying in there? Because you've you've stuck in it. <laughs> so so how have you done it? Yeah, so um, I had my first, um, obviously I heard about it in like 2014. I, I bought some for reasons, but I, I never hold. And then in 2016 is when I got my deep dive in. So that's when I got interested again. So I had my, I had my core group of friends who, ones that like Coinbase, they're all spread out the crypto space. But we had a group chat. We'd always be like sending each other podcasts, asking each other questions. So we had a good group. We were all we were all DCAing and, and we, were, we all weren't selling. Because you're like, why would I? I don't want to sell a piece of the future. It's like, I would personally rather have the Bitcoin than dollars. So if you want to sell it to me for cheaper, thank you very much. Have a nice day type of thing. And, and um, patience is a uh, is a big deal, right? Um, so how how have you been able to be patient and um, and sit through like ups and downs in the market and ups and downs in the negative in, in the comments and in, in the news how have you been able to navigate all that because a lot of people i know that i grew up with as soon as a, the first sign of bad news on market goes they they sell <laughs> they, they're like i'm at it like how do you like um i've been in five years too but how, i want to find out from you how how you've been able to to have that commitment and you know um the patience to stay yeah so to be honest, I don't really pay attention too much to the bad news. I'm like, oh, it's, just, it's another thing. And the, te the technology is like, if there's something wrong with the code or anything like that, I'd pay attention to. But Kim Kardashian and getting sued by the season, I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. And so I, I also don't check price that much. So the way I looked is, 
it's going to go up in the long term. So let's say you check price five times over the next five years. But there's a high probability each time you check it over the next five, if you check it only five times, it's going to be up, which will give you a green hit, uh, like a happy moment. But if you check it 10 times throughout the day where it's extremely volatile, it'll get like, it'll be like six red hits, which are negative four green hits. So the thing is, and the red doesn't cancel the green. So it's like, if I'm in it for the long term, why would I subject myself to a negative moment? So like, for example, if I were to check price right now, it could be down 0.5%. I was just like, eh, well, it's not at 60, it's not at 69 anymore. That's kind of a meh, but it will be back there. So it's like, if it's going to be a uh, phrase I like to use is like, once a train leaves the station, there's no point to frantically run around. The best thing you could do is sit back and enjoy the ride. So I, I made a, I made a decision to not check price as much. That's how I stay sane. It's really smart. I uh, I remember the day that uh, I think Bitcoin went from like ten thousand to like fifteen thousand in a day, and I had my cardiologist appointment, and we did the EKG, and he's like, something's wrong with the EKG. Uh, what's going on? And I said, oh, the price of Bitcoin went up, and like, I got to do this on a different day, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. At a, at a point, obviously, I was checking like the price in the middle of the night, like two a.m. I like wake up. All right, let's check the Bitcoin price. It's down, and then just like go back to sleep. But then I'm like, this is not helpful in any way. I'm still going to buy at any price. I'm just going to buy. I'm not going to sell. Yeah. If you look at it, like I used to look at it ten times an hour. So, oh yeah, no, we we go hard. <laughs> it's yeah. more. It's it's it's. I, I found to be more at peace. If I check it uh, irregularly, infrequently. Yes. Yeah. Good advice, man. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I guess you're familiar with, you know, chat GBT, right? Everybody is. Yeah. I think. Um, and there are some biases built in <laughs> to the to the artificial intelligence, to the community uh, power. So what are the societal benefits and detriments, too, of leveraging the collective power the social benefits are huge huge imagine that you can do this in a hospital in an icu you know and you can predict or detect when a body uh, or when someone will die or when a heart attack will happen yeah. imagine that uh, you can detect brain cancer or that you can detect you know there is uh, something that is very common with um, the stock market is very noisy, you know, um, and for example, you never know when uh, there will be a crash, you know, and this is exactly the same thing with your body, you know, maybe just the temperature of your body um, went one degree too much or 0 0.1 degree too much and then it triggers uh, a systemic response from your body, you know. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but it can also depend on hundreds of different factors, you know. So what we say is that we say that there are a lot of noise and, uh, and it's very difficult to see when something will trigger something else. For example, let's say um, it's the same with an avalanche, you know, an avalanche, um, sometimes the temperature is going a bit high, but nothing happens. But then just because the pressure is a bit different, then an avalanche is triggered, you know. 
it's a mechanism that is very, very, very complex to understand. And this mechanism, this avalanche mechanism, is the same in, in the stock market. It's the same in the scent. It's the same in your body, you know? It's, it's always, it's tiny, tiny different things that makes the difference and that will trigger uh, a, resp a, a response. And if we are, it's the same with the weather also, you know? And if we are able to, um, um, to predict or to understand what will happen because we have thousands of people predicting the weather together or predicting or improving models together, then uh, I think that uh, the, the, the society will benefit a lot of it, you know? Um, and uh, and I, I hope that, that maybe one day we will be able to do this. We are starting with finance, but why not in some years doing another thing like uh, healthcare or, or weather prediction or also weather space weather prediction? You know, we have uh, our lead quant is uh, is spe specialized in in uh, in uh, space weather. You know, so um, this is something that we could do, and this is something that we have in mind. And the detriments. The detriments, hmm. I don't see so many, you know. I see people um, creating value together. And I, I think that um, I don't see uh, detriments, you know. I think that it's just communities that can act for the good today. For us, it's the market, but once the technology is ready uh, and it's working already, then then it will be very profitable for many other verticals, you know, in many other industries. And I wish there are a lot of people that do the same on many different industries. I got to shift gears now because you said two words together that got my attention. You said social collusion. Um, and I think of social media. <laughs> when you say that, I think of social media. And right now, there's this past week, there's been a, um, there's, there was a launch by Instagram called Threads, which is a competitor to Twitter. Um, you know, and a lot of people were jumping up and down saying they would love the idea of, you know, Threads. And I'm like, that's still Web 2. You know, that's not Web 3. And there are privacy benefits to Web 3 of people, you know, not handing over their data to Facebook or to Twitter, right? Um, what are the privacy benefits of Web3? And uh, what do we need to do to be able to mitigate our privacy concerns from popular Web2 platforms to embrace Web3? Yeah, great question. So this is exactly why we're building Ironfish. So it's going to be a bit of a preamble. But um, in Web2, whenever Web2 breaks its promise of, of privacy, we have catastrophic events. So we have data leaks, um, we have doxing, we have harassment, we have um, identity uh, 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 fraud. Um, so uh, for Web2, Web2 actually tries to retain your privacy to some extent. Um, and like you said, like your, your data does get used by Facebook and whatnot, but we have this like pretty basic expectation of privacy. Um, for instance, you know, if you use your 
any any of one of your banks, even if you use Venmo in private, you have this expectation that that data is not revealed to the world. Um, and when that does get broken, um, like I said, we have catastrophic events. And so here's like some examples. Um, there's a there's an app called Strava, which I use for running. It's a you know it's, it's an app that a lot of athletes use to track their runs. Um, they had this pretty massive data leak at some point that uh, that revealed the location of army bases because soldiers would go and use Strava on their daily runs and would reveal location of army bases, you know, across the world um, that were that were supposed to be secret. Um, there are many other uh, situations of like data leaks where, um, you know, victims would be doxxed uh, and their addresses would be revealed um, to the world. Um, Gamergate was a pretty terrible like example of that to some extent. Um, so again, when Web2 breaks its promise of privacy, we have catastrophic events. Okay, but for Web3, we have no privacy. <laughs> like there is not even a possibility of a data leak because everything is out in the open. <laughs> everything you do for Web3 currently, um, with a few exceptions of the privacy protocols that we've mentioned, um, everything is out in the open. So if you use, uh, you know, Ethereum, um, you can go on Etherscan, you can look at your wallet, you can see all the transactions, but everyone else can too. Um, so everyone can see what exchange have you, you, you've used what NFTs you might hold. Um, so based on your exchanges, I might know who you are. Based on, on your NFTs, I might know your wealth. Um, I can look at some of the other wallets that you funded. Maybe you're trying to de-anonymize and you funded different wallets. There are even websites that will now link people's wallets together uh, because, you know, like NFT whales might want to have different wallets so that they might purchase or, or, or sell NFTs without moving the market. And even that doesn't work because their wallets are linked. Um, and so everything you do in Web3 currently is is 100% in the open. Um, and, and so it's kind of a, you know, I think like if Web3 is going to win, it's going to have to be Web2++. It's going to have to be Web2 and better. And right now it's not. Uh, it is different, but I don't think it is actually better. Um, and one of the things that um, I think is tremendously worse at is privacy. Um, for Web2, at least we have some like, you know, we have some some expectations of privacy, despite all the things that you mentioned. And for Web3, there's just simply zero expectations of privacy. Everything's out in the open. Um, anyway, so that's why we're building Ironfish. Uh, this is exactly why we're building Ironfish, is to make sure that crypto has um, this, Lego, this missing Lego piece for privacy. Um, and we're building Ironfish to be that.